Welcome to Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon, a production of iHeartRadio. Max, I haven't done this in a while. I'm really nervous. Sports fans, golf fans, or just <laughs> fans. <laughs> Welcome to Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon. Max, it's been a minute. Uh, and and you know what? I'm, I'm a little nervous here. Didn't do the podcast last week. You played great. Uh, I don't want this to become the trend. No, 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 it won't. Uh, I, I feel like maybe I would have been boosted to a win having done the podcast. <laughs> so we'll look at it half, uh, glass half full. But uh, it's good to be doing it again. Um, you know, I'm, I'm bummed we missed a week, but is what it is um but yeah glad to uh glad to be back i'm hearing so i don't know if it's a tease but i'm hearing so much steak walk stuff lately on social media or in person so it's been pretty <laughs> fun lately hey before we get to the golf can we address something that we missed uh last week uh after the super bowl i, I just need to go over this before we get into oh, golf yeah. um so i got you know i i get tagged in some max homa stuff not everything that involves you this was one of those moments I got tagged about a hundred times. There was a PGA Tour Instagram account post with a picture of you and the following quote: "Quote, I'm a huge Tom Brady guy. He's the absolute stud of all time." Max Homa. I just didn't say that, and if I did, <laughs> I, it was so in jest that like it couldn't have been. I mean, like a lot of people were like, "Oh man, like you're an Aaron Rodgers guy. You must have been like Tom before." But like that's so not true because i've been a steelers fan my whole life my dad would have excommunicated me had i ever <laughs> said that like i think tom brady's awesome and he's obviously a great quarterback and i think he's you know a great leader like i have nothing negative to say about tom but i have never been i'm i was raised to not like tom brady <laughs> like if you're a steelers fan you can't like tom brady like it's 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 blasphemy so i don't know if i just never said that or if i was joking like and saying it like sarcastically do i think he's a stud 100 percent. tom brady's awesome but like i i would never like i wouldn't go out of my way to say something nice about the guy who's just beating the hell out of all my out of, out of my teams like year after year like he's he's a thorn in my side like to probably mostly everybody you know in the in the uh, sports world like he's just a pain but he's awesome but like i would never say that it's just not it can't possibly be what i what i was actually meaning <laughs> right it would be like if you asked like rafa nadal's wife if roger federer was a great tennis player <laughs> yeah. she probably would say yeah he's a great tennis player but i don't think she's going to go on record as like praising him for being unbelievable you know she's got a roof for a guy yeah you so yeah you you could I, I have like i said I have nothing not nice to say about tom it, but like, I also wouldn't go out of my way to say anything nice. So like, he's a pain. It's the same way I felt about Tim Lincecum when he was on the Giants. Like, didn't dislike the guy, but he was beating the hell out of the Dodgers. So I'm not gonna go say I'm a huge Tim Lincecum guy. Like, he's been a pain in the ass for a while. <laughs> he just crushes the guys that you, in fact, love. So yeah. uh, I just want to go through some stuff on your social media, your actual things you actually said. Um, Everything you've been saying after Waste Management Week, uh, after Pebble, it's a lot of getting closer, getting closer. I talked to you a day ago. Uh, it was a lot of, you know, the results are great. I, I feel like I'm close, but it's not exactly where I want to be. So can you just dive into the last couple of weeks, um, where you're at, where you're at mentally, where you're at with your golf game, uh, how you feel headed into a, an important week for you? I mean, I know I know you you always talk about Riv being one or two on your favorite golf course list. Yeah, it's been fun. I mean, ever since um, 
So at Augusta, I, I that's I mean we've already probably gone over this, but I'll, I'll go over the first part quick. But at Augusta, I, I hired Mark Blackburn uh, as my swing instructor, and it's you know that stuff's always a bit of a process. I I don't think that it's been like any major overhaul, but like we've changed a good amount of stuff, and he's taught me. We've really spent a ton of time working on wedges, um, and and trying to fill that gap in in my game. And um, I saw a, a huge strides in Mexico, especially on that weekend with my wedge play, my short irons. And then, you know, you get two months off and, and you work on everything, but I still try to, you know, I, we really focus on the wedges. And then they come out and I play Palm Springs and I, my wedges were so good. And I put it really well for three days. And obviously Sunday stunk, um, but I didn't really feel like I played a whole lot worse. I just didn't do a good job of getting the ball in the hole and the putter kind of went cold. And then the putter stayed cold for two weeks in a row. Tori, I hit the ball. Awesome. I didn't drive it great, but I hit the ball. Awesome. Cause my irons and wedges still, still great. Making a lot of easy birdies, um, put it not good. And then waste management put it about as bad as I could for, especially the first two or three days, but all four days. I mean, Sunday at waste management through nine holes, I think through 12 holes, I had legitimately missed one golf shot. That wasn't like, spot on perfect i missed the green on nine short by a yard and it was as you know joe said it was his best, my best swing of the day so it was just like it was really frustrating just not putting well and then i finished poorly and it just was like it really it kind of wore on me but i knew that my golf game was no no different um so i guess it's just like the process of getting um more comfortable with like minor swing changes and it's a lot of it for me is like understanding misses so then i can play away from that i do think that's why i've made quite a few doubles lately um not so much at at Pebble last week, but the weeks prior, like I would just hit these drives or these shots that kind of came, something that came out of nowhere, but it's that, you know, for, for a, a good golfer on the PJ tour, you kind of have certain like swing keys. If there's trouble where like, you'll make a swing that that ball will not go. Uh, sometimes knowing where the ball won't go is important. So like a squeeze, it's like a squeeze cut. If there's trouble left, you're, 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 yeah, you're you might miss knowing, it. Right. Or, or even, or even, yeah, you might, yeah, but you might even, it might even be a little different than that, where it's like, I know that if I go to one of my swing fields, let's just say it's like staying in the shot and turning more, that ball will never go left, for instance. And I feel like I'm still kind of bad, not battling, I'm, I'm still kind of learning those, the swing keys that make the ball not go a certain direction. And I feel like maybe that's where the doubles were coming in. But regardless of the doubles, I'm making enough birdies and eagles to like, like, I really felt like I should have won waste management, which sounds crazy because we got 42nd, but I truly hit the ball. I mean, that, that Friday round, I should have shot 11 under and I shot two. So it's just <laughs> like, that's how I know my game's in good shape. I'm legitimately missed like 10 putts inside of 10 feet in like, you know, two days or like an afternoon, not making anything. I didn't make a putt outside of 10 feet. I don't think the entire week in uh, maybe one, no, no, sorry. After like our third or fourth hole, I didn't make a putt outside of 10 feet for like the entire tournament and I'm making a bunch of birdies. So it's just like, just not getting anything out of it. So, you know, I oddly enough went into last week and we went and played on Tuesday, Joe and I, and, and my buddy, Eric and Sean, and um, we played the preserve and well, first off, shout out to Joe, Joe shot six under 66, one off the course record with no bogey. Come on. It was a stripe show. Were you getting a little nervous that maybe you weren't going to have a caddy? It's like, does this guy no, go give no. him a he, So he did that last year at Waste Management and beat me. He beat me, Matt Wolf, and Ricky Fowler, and then we got six. So I, it's kind of a good omen. I think what happened. 
but I, I really didn't feel my swing felt awful and, and my putting started to feel good. And I was so, I like really got like down in the dumps. Cause I'm like, this just doesn't seem fair that like my putting finally feels good. And now my, my swing feels terrible. And then I went out Wednesday and it still felt bad. And I was, and I went out Thursday morning and it still felt bad. I'm like, what is happening? Like I've been hitting the ball about as well as I can for three months. It's not like I expect that to be every day, but like, why does it feel like awful? And Thursday morning rolled around. I got to go play spy. And I just like was thinking to myself, all right, well, if you want to, if you think you're a great golfer, which I think I am, and you want to be the best golfer in the world someday, that's like, this will be a better test than if you were playing really well. Like you need to learn how to not panic, find a game plan that works, play to your strengths and get that ball in the hole. And so the, so all the, all the, Hey, I'm close. I'm close. I'm close. I think it was even more cool to see it when I didn't have it, because right. that truly means you're close when you don't have it, but the ball's still going pretty straight. You still have a lot of shots you can go to. And I guess like the, 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 main part is all the short iron work I've been doing to like, make sure that those are really scoring clubs and I'm getting the most out of them. If I played a game plan where I, I could play conservatively and make sure I was in the fairway with a nine iron or an eight iron or a wedge, even on a par five layup and still feel like I'm like, I, I I'm going to be inside of 10, 12 feet. You can really play some great golf like that. And I did. And, and throughout the week, my swing felt a little bit better and a little bit better. And then, you know, Saturday, Sunday, I thought I swung it uh, pretty well. So um, that was, that was fun, but that's the whole closer stuff. Like I just, it's, it's an understanding of where, what makes your golf swing kind of function its best. And also, like I mentioned for last week, it was an understanding of, okay, when it's off, what can we do to like, like slowly gain on good again and, and hold off on, you know, certain shots, maybe and, and ease your way into a round while also knowing that it's kind of what I always think about why tiger has the 142 cuts in a row, which is, as we've mentioned, the, the greatest record ever. But the reason he, he could do that, it, it might be some mental game for sure. Like he obviously is great at that. But the big part to me was that he had some, every part of his game was basically the best in the world, if not top two or three. Like he's the best iron player for a little while. He's the best driver. Um, he His short game is ridiculous. You know, his wedges are ridiculous. Like, so even if three things are off, he'll have one or two that are so good. And it's just like, it would be so hard for him to play that with that, you know, and I'm not quite there yet. I don't have them all where they could all be the best, but I do have little areas like my short irons, even when the swing didn't feel good, that they are getting really freaking good. And, you know, I put the ball much better, but I think that that was a fun, fun testament to the, you know, Hey, I'm close. I'm close. I know it's like really starting to feel better. Cause I mean, you know, you're going to have weeks where it feels perfect and, and it's easy to say, Oh man, I got it, but that's going to go away even for the best players in the world for like a couple weeks at a time. But the point is, is that you probably won't even notice when Dustin thinks, Oh man, my swing feels bad. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's just, it's such a, like, I remember last year, two years ago, two years ago, I think I played with him at Rift and he told me how bad his driver feels and like his swing just felt way <laughs> off. And, you know, he shot, he got seventh, but I will say that he had some pretty shitty shots off the tee. Like, right. I mean, it was not the Dustin that I I've seen, but his irons were still really good and he put it well. And he went to Mexico the next week for the WGC. And I think he won by like eight. And like, that's the thing is like, I feel like, I mean, Dustin obviously has an amazing mental game, but like, that's the stuff you have to get to where, okay, if I'm off, which everyone will be, you won't notice as much that I'm off because my mechanics and all this stuff is better. And also it's easier to click back into the really good. You just have to almost like 
be patient with yourself and, and do either drills or even play golf with like, okay, I'm going to go to a cut field. Cause that gets me back into like this good part of my golf swing. And like, it's almost like a check down for like a quarterback. Like I'm going to check down and get back into rhythm. And it's like, I thought I did a good job of that. So that was a fun learning. Uh, that was a long answer, but that was a fun learning uh, experience uh, of last week. Cause you know, I, I would have hoped I would have swung it like I did the week before and then put it like I did, but you know, it's not always going to be that, that easy. Yeah. Ninth in, in strokes gained putting you were T ninth strokes gained overall uh, at pebble. Obviously you finished T seventh. Um, I've got a few items from the week we got to hit on. Uh, I'm going to start with your last full swing of the week. Um, if nobody has seen <laughs> this, we'll, uh, we'll post it on the, on the get a grip uh, Instagram account, but your second into 18. Uh, I texted Joe on Sunday evening. He said it was an 11 out of 10. Uh, <laughs> can you, I, I need you to just kind of maybe just take us through it because uh, if you were under the tree, you had three wood and, uh, and yeah, you, you kind of take us from there. Yeah. Well, it, this, is, this is on my flight of toughest decisions of the week. Uh, Cause it was a tough decision, but it was kind of weird the whole day on Sunday. I felt good. I felt good waking up. I thought I was going to have a good chance to win. Um, and, you know, got off to a good start. And for some reason, after like the third or fourth hole, I just kept thinking I was going to have, I kept like in my head, like referring to like a tiger moment. Like I thought I was going to make a shot. I thought I was going to chip in, Thought I was going to make a long putt. Like I just kept having this feeling that like I was going to do something. What a feeling. Like, Jesus. That was gonna, yeah, that was going <laughs> to turn the tournament in my favor. Maybe I was willing that it to happen. Maybe I was like, trying to manifest it. But I felt that when I hit the chip on nine, I could not have hit a better shot. Oh. I told Joe what I was going to do. And when it lipped out, I thought I was kind of frustrated. because I was like, that was my moment. I make that shot. I turn in four under and like, I'm in it, you know, and, and I'm, and I'm vibing. <laughs> and so that missed by all day. I, I just kept thinking that. And then it kind of started to go away as, as the tournament was out of my hands. Um, but I got on the 18, I had a good drive and I've been struggling uh, all week with my longer stuff, like basically my woods. My driver was okay, but my woods were just not, didn't feel great. But I get under that tree and I had a, I had a swing. I didn't even notice that my fall through was going to hit a tree. So that's why I whacked it, <laughs> um, which was probably better. I didn't know, but we got up there. And like I said before, we played, I told Joe, I said, we need to play conservative on Thursday. He goes, I want to know what you're feeling like so I can help. And I said, I, I think I need to play conservative because I was like, I just don't feel comfortable with like a full ripping, like anything right now. It's cold. I'm not moving. Like, so we played that way the whole week and we get up on that 18th hole and I, I, for whatever reason, maybe it was part of the thought I was going to do some cool all day, whatever, but I'm looking at this shot and it just like suited my eye in this odd way. Cause my miss with my three wood that week was left or it was like a heel. And if I heal it right, it's short of the trees and I'll just have a pitch. And if I pull it off it, like I did think it could get to the green and Joe to his credit also kind of like changed his viewpoint. Cause when he first got up there, he goes, I think a 10 out of 10, three wood goes in that bunker. And I was like, all right, well, that's not that great. You know, my, like I said, my wedges have been so good. Like I could just hit a four iron and hit a wedge up there close. And then, then he changes. As the more we sat there, he changed my goes, you know what, dude, I think a, a perfect three would get something. What, what'd you have? What'd you have? Like, okay. What'd you have front? And I think hole? we had two sixty three, And I think we had two fifty front okay. into the wind. And, um, I knew I could get there because even though my drive, I think my drive only went 23, I flew it into the top of that tree. So that ball probably would have gone like 280 or 290, baby. So I was like, I knew I could get three with there. It's firm in the front of that, uh, the run up. Um, and obviously I wasn't pr like planning perfectly to hit that shot as well as it came out. But like, I knew that if I did it, it would, it would get there. So 
we're standing there for a while and like waiting for the group in front. And I, I'm every t- I wanted, I, I thought I was very honest with Joe and Joe was very honest with me, but I told Joe, I was like, I don't, I, I want to hit a shot. Like I want to hit a shot right now. Like I feel good about it and I kind of want to hit it. But I told him, I said, we've had this game plan the whole week. You know, this is, you know, this is your, you know, money to, or whatever you want to call it. But I was like, I don't want to throw that away with one aggressive swing that I told him, I said, I haven't been hitting my long stuff that great. I know, you know, that like, I don't want this to be over, over, uh, overly aggressive and ruin what I thought was a freaking grind of a week where I just didn't have it. And I'm, I was in the golf term. Like I, I, you kind of just don't want to leave that sour taste in your mouth. But at the same time, I saw the shot and he's, and he was like, you know, he, he definitely like, Oh, we talked about it again yesterday, but he definitely like was leaning on the layup for iron. But I think he, he said, if you see it, hit it, like I'm good with it. And when he said that, I was like, dude, I see it. Like I want to hit it. And again, I, 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 the plan was to hit it as, as it came out and like hit it on the green, but there were a lot of the factors were that if it came out, okay, it's going in the bunker. And if it came out bad, I still thought it would be short right of the tree and we would have a good angle. So I was, I was kind of planning for all of it a little bit. I just couldn't really hook it over hook it. And what was so funny was, so I get over and I actually felt pretty good over it and I get over and I hit it. And I mean, your brain goes so fast and like, you know, when all this stuff goes on, but I hit it and it felt really good. Like I knew I middled it all that. And then I hit the tree and my brain like kind of like spazzed out for a second. <laughs> and I was like, Oh no, I hit the tree. It must be bad. And then I was like, wait, you hit the tree after you hit the ball. Like that doesn't affect anything. Right. Right. Like, you're still good. The ball's gone. And then like my eye, yeah, you're still good. Then my eyes like caught onto where the ball was. I couldn't like find it for a second and it's turning. And I'm like, Oh my God, that is so good. <laughs> and it hit the ground. And then I, I couldn't see, I don't have good enough eyes. I couldn't see it. So I, 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 I knew it was going to get to the front and Joe started screaming at it to sit. And that's when I knew it was really good. And uh, I didn't know it was on the green. Joe thought it might've been just over the back, but it, I mean, it was, it was cool. Like, I don't know. I wish the putt would have gone in, but it was, it was fun to hit a shot when I didn't need it, but I wanted it pretty bad. I wanted to end the tournament the best, you know, best I could. Um, and I pulled off a shot when, um, you know, it was under the gun a little bit. So yeah. it was really fun. It was one of those shots. Like I've watched the video a hundred times. Like it makes me feel good. Like I, I like that golf shot's probably one of the cooler ones I've ever hit. <laughs> you just, you're on the fly, just loop watching it. I'm going to you know what? One more time. Let's let, this is good for my, for my confidence right here watching this. Yeah. That's what I mean. You know, and I saw your tweet about making it. the Oh dude, I went nuts. I mean, you hit it and it's same kind of as a, as a viewer, you know, watch on TV. I heard the smack. And of course, I mean, you said your brain freaked out. I was like, oh, shit. You know, like, what did he do? Because, you know, I mean, you're standing over that and I see because, OK, so you're on PJ Tour Live. So I'm watching you on my I had it on my TV and then I would like switch between that and because I'm, you know, right now I don't have three TVs. It's a big bummer, by the way. But uh, I was switching yeah. between the TV and the iPad. And uh, and so I'm kind of watching you go through this and I see you pull through and I was kind of fired up for you because, you know, I mean, it was like like kind of what you said. Let's take it on. And you hit the tree and I'm like, I'm like, oh shit, you know, like, I don't want you to make six <laughs> yeah. or seven after a great week. And it landed. What was wild was you had that moment where you hit it too good. And it kind of reminded me of Kepka in 19 when he had to hit that iron close to make Eagle. And then freaking burger makes the woodland putt. Yeah. And it was kind of like two moments from 19 dude. When I was, uh, when we had the amateur at pebble, uh, in 18, I was, I would walk down 18 to go to the booth, you know, 
And there was this kid one time and it was, it was during the qualifying. It was during the stroke play. And I can't remember which kid it was, but he's under the tree and doing the same thing as you. Now he was on the right side of the tree, but he's doing the same thing as you. And he was kind of going through it with his caddy and he pulls three wood and he rips it on the green. Okay. And I am kind of standing aside watching this. And when I see him pull three wood, I grab my phone and start filming it. And he rips it on the green and I go over there after the round and I'm like, Hey dude, I, I'm Shane. Like we're here covering this event, but I just filmed you hit that shot. And I, I gave, I like <laughs> airdropped it to him. Cause I'm like, this is such an, I mean, a shot on 18 from under that tree and you hit it on the green, like you did. And he did. It's like, those are rare moments in golf. You know, you want to have it documented. So that was my little, that was my give back moment to some That's young kid at, at the amateur that hopefully has it uh, on his phone forever. It also kind of goes to like the, mystique of certain golf courses one of which is obviously pebble like you it almost like makes you want to do something special because you're in on a special hole like yeah i, I love quail hollow obviously but like the 18th hole has history but it, it's not there's some air about pebble beach or there's some air about like you know like let's say he's playing 16 at cypress point or somewhere that's just like a like augusta like any hole at augusta really like you you feel that kind of energy from it so you're under the tree on 18 on the 72nd hole of a golf tournament you played well at pebble beach and it's like no i'm not laying up like i'm just i see the shot i'm hitting the shot like i want to i want to go down in the in the lore of like these great second shots or third shots that have been hit at one of the greatest golf courses on the planet and I don't know. It, it's, it's interesting because you, you do see great shots. You see Berger make an eagle. You see Brooks like nearly like, I mean, it was online to make a double eagle. <laughs> you see Woodland make that putt. Like it brings it out. I feel like because of like the golf course itself and all the history and magic that goes on because it puts into your brain. All right, I'm doing, you know, I'm doing this. I'm going to, I want to join the club of, of sweet stuff that's happened uh, on, you know, probably, I mean, top five most famous holes, I would assume. For sure, definitely. I mean, I'd say between that and St. Andrews, you're talking about the two most famous closing holes for sure, you know. So yeah. um, it was sweet. It was a great shot. It was a great week. Um, you you haven't talked yet. You 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 told me when we were chatting, uh, I think on Sunday, you said um, the kick on five. So you make eagle on uh, two, which was sweet. Dude, that, that shot, I mean, the camera angle they had too, it like comes off the hill perfectly. And yeah. then you stuff it on three. And then the kick you got on five, just you were telling me was just brutal. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I guess it's like kind of the, this golf, right? So if my ball on two lands a yard left, two yards left, probably it goes in the bunker. The difference is, is the reason I'm so close to that left side on two is because the left bunker is really easy. As you can see with how my ball rolls down, like it's just a plop out and it, you run it, but obviously I got a great kick and make Eagle. And then I make a really good birdie on three, uh, par four and I get to five and the back right pin is always tricky. And I, uh, you know, I've played there a million times. I see that place really well. Like I have a good plan and I hit, I guess the frustrating part was I hit probably like an eight out of 10, six iron. Like I really liked how I hit it. It didn't cut quite enough, obviously, but like, I liked how I hit it. My plan was if anything was to be just a little short, hit the fairway grass and then kick it right onto the green. If you know, at worst I'd be where Paul Casey was, which is just like a little chip. Um, so I don't cut it enough, but I hit it nice and, solid and it was it was falling right and then i saw it hit the corner of the bunker so it flew further than i thought and then it goes on the down slope and i mean from there like it's easy to to give a what if um you know i should should have uh what it could have but like when you're standing on that bunker shot with your you know 
you don't have anything to work with and you're staring at the Pacific Ocean, like it's hard to say, oh, I'm just going to hit this over the green because it felt so easy to just skull it into the ocean and then make it, you know, triple or whatever. So it's a bummer. I, I really feel like if that ball lands a yard right or whatever and it kicks down where Paul's was, I get up and down and I'm really in the thick of it because when I look back on obviously I needed to go crazy low and having to restart kind of and start back at one under with only really like two easier holes for pretty much the rest of the day. Um, it was just kind of a, it was a bummer, but that's how it goes. I mean, I got a good bounce on two and I got a bad bounce on th- uh, five and it, it sucks, but um, I don't know. It always just feels kind of for anyone who plays golf. Like it just stinks when you hit a pretty good shot. That's not perfect. That just like gets jettisoned. Yeah. And, like, I know I've made a lot of doubles in the last month or two. Like I know it, but a lot of them have been from like not good shots. That one was not a double swing. Like that was a pretty good six iron that just like was, you know, fractions off. I mean, even if it lands further left in the bunker, that's why I was like kind of bitching. I was like, man, I should have just hit a worse shot because if it, gets, <laughs> if it lands left in the bunker, I'm on the flat. I probably don't get up and down, but at least I have a chance that right. I'm not making five. But where I was, it was like, for sure, I should have hit chunked it, you know, over the green, but like, it was so hard to actually even just do that. So I kind of went for, I, I, I guess I went too safe and it just sucks because I mean, and, but like, the, it, I guess it goes to the, to the other part of like, oh, you know, it bounced back with two birdies in a row but it's like yeah because like i didn't even make a bad swing on that hole you know i make a i make a um, a hard bunker shot look a little harder than it probably was and then i have a it's still a difficult bunker shot and i don't hit it great and then i miss like a footer it's like well i walked to six not thinking anything bad about my golf like i still haven't really missed a golf shot so it's just like the interesting is an interesting time for that to happen it could sucked um because when you look back on the grand scheme but i felt like that's just where kind of where, where the tournament and for my end was lost. Um, but I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that swing too much, I guess, which is the good thing. I mean, I, I liked how I struck it. I just didn't, I didn't account. I didn't think it was going to go that far. And, and I, I guess I just need to be a bit more aggressive on my line and not try to play the hop uh, line, I guess on that left side of the green. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. I need to ask you um, just your kind of what you and Joe said to each other walking off the first tee on Saturday after the Molinari um, shot top, whatever the hell it was. Yeah, that was in my that was in my worst things I saw this week. <laughs> what do you say? Like, what are you saying when you see that? Like, are you like, holy crap? Because you never see stuff like that. Never. And so it's raining. And it's not a comfortable start. It's way into the wood. I mean, I had three with like, I hit three with like two thirty. So I go first, <laughs> get out there in the fairway. And it's just like kind of a miserable, like morning. And Francesco was, I never played with him, but he, you know, Joe, Joe and chapel almost won the, uh, the open championship when, when Molinari made no bogeys for 36 holes on the weekend and won, you know, like he, he balled out. And uh, so I never played with him. I know he stripes it all that. So he hits it and he, I mean, the shot tracker said 70 yards. It went, it went 30 yards. Like tops. He wasn't even to the, he was just past the car path. Like I get to throw it there. So he hits it and he doesn't even bat an eye. And I am like, Oh my God. And I did make a joke to Joe. I said, man, this guy does hit it really straight. <laughs> like right, right down the middle. Nice. So I go to walk off the tee. I felt, we felt, I felt so bad for Vincent Whaley. He had to go third. 
So I, I walk, go to walk off the tee, and Joe's standing on the tee. He goes, hey. He's like, come back here. I'm like, okay. And he goes, like, so Franz, like, walks all the way up to his ball. And I'm like, I'm, like, standing back there. And Joe's like, how happy are you that you did not have to go after that? Like, what would you have done? I said, I don't know. I would have hit four iron. Like, I couldn't have done that. And Montana, who is one of the rules officials, was staying there. And we're like, Montana, have you ever seen anything like that? And he laughed. He goes, I've only seen – I have seen that, but only from that celebrity team. Right, <laughs> um, right. Yeah, no hams this year, so, but we got the Molinari swing. it off so good on, uh, on Twitter. But it, it was shocking. He made an unbelievable five. I was just like I was I was floored. Now it makes sense in the in the conditions, but even then, I mean that that's just a shock to his system. It was it was jarring. It was it was it took everything in me not to like when Joe was talking at Fontana, like not to laugh a little loud. But I think even he was probably laughing inside a little bit because it was it happens, you know. I mean I've I've topped it in a practice round, like I've shanked them before, like it happens. You just hope it doesn't happen, like right there. <laughs> but man, Dude, hey, I mean, it was it was bad. I haven't even thought about this till right now. You went, <laughs> oh yeah, you went back to back holes. I mean, you went the last hole on oh, Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about that. Yeah, you go back last hole on Saturday with Mickelson. Did he make nine? Friday, Friday, or no, Friday, Friday. Friday, yeah, sorry, Friday. Nine on Friday. Then my next shot I saw was a cold top by a major <laughs> champion. <laughs> It was awful. I mean, I, I literally like, I mean, I, I, I will, I, I say this in jest, but Phil obviously struggled right. uh, with me and I saw some pretty bad drives. And I, so I went Saturday started, I was like, all right, like I'm back to like, just seeing maybe some, some more like control, I guess. Anytime you play, it doesn't matter if it's Phil, anytime you play with somebody who's struggling, it is, I don't think it's hard personally, but you are seeing a lot and it feels like you're kind of taking on their energy a little bit. Like, man, golf is hard, you know? Right. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, this weekend I'll be, you know, maybe I'll get back in a rhythm of it looks easy. <laughs> and that's the first shot I saw. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, <laughs> what, what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> I, need, I need, I need, I need to help. Like I need, I need a, like the perfect opposite was Paul Casey, like just doesn't miss any golf shots. So I was like, what is what is happening? I just saw a nine on eighteen, and then my first shot I see the next day that's not me is a cold top like five wood. <laughs> like what tour? What tour? Like is there? These are the best golfers in the world. Those two are like, you know, Phil Mickelson is a Hall of Famer, and right. then I and I play with Francesco Monari, who is you know, could be on on his way to like his own like his Hall of Fame like run. I don't know, but. I'm just thinking like, man, it's so cool to play with these two guys and they hit probably two of the shots that they like maybe have never hit before. <laughs> I don't know. It's well, weird. Uh, now, weird now, 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 I, listen, I know you're being nice. So Phil's definitely hit some of those shots before now Molinari topping it. I'm not sure. No, not on, not on 14. I'm not sure he's ever done it. Um, the, uh, Phil hit an OB on 14. I'm not sure. I think even he would say that was, <laughs> that was the new one. Did he just pull a hook? It? Cause I know he used to always try to hit it over that tree with a cut. Yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what it was. It was absolutely smashed, though. I will say that. <laughs> you, you, uh, I mean, you also, so you play with Vincent Whaley, who I wrote on Twitter on Saturday. I gave him a lot of props. I mean, he shoots 73. He made, I think, five or six birdies. There was some really bad swings in there. But, I mean, you're talking about, you see, I mean, you are in the, I mean, Max, you're in the hunt at this event, and you see, a nine from a hall of famer, a top shot from a major champion who was playing the, let's say, I mean, let's say the best golf of anybody on the planet for probably seven months. And then you see another pro golfer 
I mean, I think I'm pretty sure he chunked it off the tee on 12. You know, oh, yeah, I mean, for, for not having the AMs there that week, you kind of got it. You kind of got a glimpse. Yeah. The, the, the thing, yeah, the interesting part, like, so yeah, so I, I obviously saw some not good shots. The fun, I guess the fun part is though, like Phil's recoveries are so freaking good. And his, his short game is so good. Like you, you actually get to see somebody make it look kind of hard for a minute and then look at, make it look so freaking easy that it's like frustrating how like easy he can make like these hard chips. Look, he chipped in long left on 10, which is not possible. Basically like, no one does that. <laughs> and then, yeah, then I see Fran, you know, top one and he only makes a bogey. Like he, we, he literally only beat him by one shot on that hole. And then Vince, <laughs> Vince like chunks it on 12 makes par makes three. So, like, I see a lot of bad shots, but, but everybody, you know, when you actually watch people who are hitting those shots, like it, it, it like they make, sevens and eights and these guys are making pars and bogeys and and it's just it's so like perfect special golf it's like yeah you can show you can make fun of this shot but like i still like score wise i still i still taught you i still like only lost by one on a hole but i definitely saw some interesting golf shots uh for the week um but i also saw some spectacular ones which is which is the beauty honestly of the pj tour and, uh, and it was fun i wish phil would have played better for him and and um, just the, you know, the vibe, I guess, in general, but it is still, he's still such a good dude to play with and he's still rooting you on and he like, kind of gets out of the way at the end. Um, I do have uh, somebody on Twitter asked me a question about, and I actually like, got it a couple times that on 16, Phil hit his putt and I had like 20 feet on set on Friday and Phil, you know, putt out before me, like from three, three or four feet. And it was kind of in my line. He was almost standing on my line and he had asked me to do so. And somebody asked, a couple of people asked me if he did that so that he could give me a read, like as like a gesture, which I mean, would have been nice, but it wasn't really on my exact line, but the actual, I just want to answer the question. The actual answer was that he had to go to the bathroom and he was, I think just wanted to get off the hole. He didn't care as much about what he made. So he just was like, can I just finish this? And like, you know, I'll meet you guys. So just to clarify, I did not get like preferential treatment from Phil Mickelson for my 20 footer, but, uh, but that, but like that's the thing is he like got out of the way you know like it's it's what we all would do but like it's it's cool to see you know someone like Phil who's you know one of the most popular and one of the greatest golfers of all time you know do it too but again you also see him hit some really cool shots and uh, it, obviously his driver was a bit off but um, you know you could see the the magic I, I've fortunately played with them plenty of other times just not in a tournament but it would be nice to play with them again because I want to you know you want to get that feel that uh, that that's vibing and playing great. Cause there's like just such a cool buzz when, when he's doing that around the entire tournament, you birdie all the par threes on Saturday at pebble seventh <laughs> player to do that since 1983 first to do it since 2011. Um, the most max Homa thing ever <laughs> was posted. I don't know who asked you a reaction, but you just said sick. And, uh, and that was like a quote <laughs> board on social, which is like, pretty I much you and use a, that as a quote. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you in a nutshell, sick. That's sick. <laughs> yeah he uh he came up to me after he goes you're the first person to birdie all four par three since whatever and i and i was like it's <laughs> awesome um the uh i have a i have a couple of random golf questions for you that are maybe apply i was watching you a lot over the weekend um i mean you were on pj tour live like basically the whole week which was really cool for uh somebody like me who does a podcast with you yeah my mom, my and, mom uh, was stoked. <laughs> um what's your process on marking golf balls like when do you mark and when do you finish uh are you like mark on the green yeah yeah like when do you 
Like when, when you go up to a to a foot a putt that's you know relatively yeah in that friend zone. When are you marking and when are you tapping in? Like what's the process there? Like is there anything in your head? Is it simply circumstantial? Yeah, it's nearly almost all um, through line based. So like if Paul is putting from twenty feet from the other side and where I'm going to be standing is going to be in his line. If he misses, I'll mark it. Even if it's like a foot, sometimes unless I could kind of step over. Um, even if it's three feet, and no one's and no one's in the line. Like then, I actually might just finish. Sometimes it's uh, circumstantial in the sense of like maybe I need a minute and like I have to right. mark it and like think think everything through and and go through the whole process. But um, typically, if it's in the friend zone where it would be a gimme and I I mark it, it's just because I'd be standing in someone's line and it's just maybe a little too far to like do the whole like. I'm going to reach way out and put one foot over here and, and kick it in kind of thing. What, 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 but what, what's your philosophy on the difference in I'm going to mark it and give myself a minute versus I'm just going to knock this in? Because, I mean, it, those putts can be so close in terms of like it might be two feet or two feet, two inches. And one time you mark it and one time you finish like not there's no through line. Nobody's in your way line wise. Oh, what's kind of the mentality for you on I'm going to finish this or I, I'm going to mark? Uh, if, if it's, if it's got some break in it or basically, I guess the best way to say is if I feel like I need to go through my whole routine and walk around and like, look at it both sides and like do the whole thing, I'm going to mark it okay. because then I'm going to be, then I'm going to be in someone's space, whether it's visually or something like I, I you kind of want to get out of somebody's way if they're kind of, they would be prepared to putt. So uh, it's more like if it's straight or if it's pretty damn straight and I'm not in anybody's line, all that stuff that you asked, and it's not like four feet and like, I don't have to go through the whole thing. I'll, I'll finish typically. Um, I wrote this on social on Sunday. Wanted your thoughts on it. Pebble and Augusta seem like the two best examples of kind of horses for courses, golf courses on the PJ tour. Do you, do you think that's accurate? Yeah, it sure does feel like, it. I mean, I know Stroman plays really well at Pebble, like every year, every year I played well at Pebble. Bill plays well at Pebble. Paul Casey plays well at Pebble. Like, you know, the guys who seem to Brant Seneca, like you see, know the guys who seem to have a good feel for it. And Augusta to Augusta. The only difference I guess is that, um, it's such a limited field. So it's so easy to say, Oh, I got eighth right. um, or not. It's obviously not easy, but like you are playing against, you know, essentially 60 less people. So, um, I don't know, but they're definitely similar. I think they, I think it's, I think a lot of it might be because they have such aggressive greens with like the break that, you know, somebody might just feel comfortable on reading those kinds of putts or hitting those kinds of putts. It could be a big, could be a big part of it because I can't imagine somebody goes around pebble or spine feels uncomfortable on a lot of actual golf shots, but I think you're almost always uncomfortable on the putts and the chips. And I don't know. I, I definitely think that you're onto something with that. Um, I can't think of another couple of golf courses that seem to have such a similar, uh, such similar names at the, on the leaderboard. Like, and it's such, such what you think about, I mean, Stroman, I think is probably top 50 in the world or close to it, but I mean, it's not like he is, uh, you know, he doesn't contend every a top week, right? Five player in the world. Well, yeah, he's contending every week, but it does seem like every year at Pebble, like he is up there. Like you know, he's going to play well. So uh, it definitely does feel like there is a courses, uh, horses for courses type thing going on. It's, you know, especially at, at Pebble. When'd you get the new putter? I, I I noticed it this week. Is it new? Was it new for Pebble? Yeah, I got it on Tuesday. <laughs> did you? Nice. Did you just like? Yeah. So what do you do? You just grab one off the like off the bag? Well. 
Deepaw works for Scotty Cameron. He's also my friend from before he worked there. And he came up to me. He's like, hey, we got these new putters. You know, do you want to look at them? And I was like, sure. I mean, I'm always going to like look just to see what of the course. stuff is. And I put it down and, I, you know, I work a lot on my alignment with my putting. Like that's my first key. And it was, it's very like square. And I was like, oh, I kind of like this. And it's a milled face, not a insert face, which mine was. And I've also was putting like complete dog crap for like a month. So uh, it was kind of like a perfect timing, but I was like, I hit a few putts with it. And then, so his, the putter he gave me had a big long line on the back, but not a top line, like on closest to the ball where you line it up. So I was like, Oh man, I was like, I, you know, I like this putter, but I kind of need a top line. And he's like, Oh, well we have one. I'll go bring it out. And when he brought it out, it was so easy to line up. I felt like for my eyes and I was like, you know what, dude, I'm going to play, I'm going to put this in today and tomorrow and practice with it. And I went and uh, put really well on Tuesday. And then it, so it felt really good. Um, it was also helpful that Pebbles Greens are so different than um, like TBC Scottsdale's where I felt like learning the speed and like the feel off the face wasn't such a big deal because like I, ha- I was going to have to do that anyways, like with just like the pace of the, how the ball comes off the putter. Um, so yeah, it's very, very similar to my putter. It has a little bit different of a back and it swings a little different, but it's not, it's not that diff. It's not that big of a change. So it's kind of an easy switch. Plus, like I said, on Tuesday I had a great putting day, and I was like, you know what? If I can, if I'm having a better putting day, like I'm just going to keep whatever's in my hands and the ball's going in. I'm going to ride that out for a little bit. So, se- so is the seven wood still in the bag, and then the the new putters in the bag? Yeah. So you're kind of, you kind of, you're kind of like the bad guy now, changing things up. No, I I don't change very often. <laughs> I uh, I will change between the seven wood and the three iron probably a little bit, but the putters I try not to change my putters as too often i hate doing that i know i mean i, I it, it when you get stuff comfortable in the bag it's hard to break out of it um yeah i was gonna ask uh what was the best thing uh aaron Rodgers texted you throughout the week if, if anything at all there's been a lot well i mean it was it was first off we didn't get to talk about it, but it was cool that he won mvp that was awesome yeah no that's it sweet. Was cool that he announced his engagement and his mvp speech that was the most baller thing you can do it and it's like cool you it's cool star. you doing giving the love uh, being such a big tom brady guy like that's nice that you you're saying this you know like <laughs> die hard tom exactly. brady fan sure so yeah <laughs> die hard brady fan go tom um tb12 uh but i don't know he he was really mad he couldn't be there um really mad um but we talked throughout the whole week he he uh he had texted me uh last last week at waste management two weeks ago waste management on like saturday i think he said hey uh 40th place pays like x amount of money uh mama needs a new purse so you need to you need to clean it up a bit (laughs) (laughs) and then this week on sunday after i played well he said mama can buy a lot of new purses that could work so <laughs> it was very that's pretty uh, good it was very uh clever and uh kind of with the theme of what he's been saying but uh no i mean he, he i i can't wait for next year when he can play um uh, i told him on saturday or sunday morning he was texting me about it everything or saturday night i can't remember and talking about what he thought it would take to win and you know he's a golf junkie he, lo- he loves following he he was telling me the splits on the scores at spy uh, the first day and that my round was a lot better than, you know, I realized and this and that. And so he was like, really, he's really into it. And then on Saturday we were talking and, um, you know, I just told him, I was like, you know, I really did miss like his vibe and his mojo. Cause I felt like last year he really like coached me up almost like unintentionally, but intentionally, like it was very subtle, but like just being so positive and it would have been fun to have, uh, him and Eric there to like, you know, just keep it light, but also, uh, have a bit of like a, 
a crew of, you know, kind of like a team nearly um, to like root, root on and kind of bounce back and forth off of with like good golf. So uh, next year, hopefully we'll be able to do it all and be, be back to, back to how the tournament should be. But um, it was interesting this year. I mean, you know, I, I heard from the Nilling Up podcast, like the view, viewing was fun kind of with just more golf course stuff. Did you feel like that, that with the, without the subways, there was a little bit more attention to, um, you know, Pebble Beach? I mean, I, I think it had to be. I mean, I think you had to kind of be focused on the golf. I mean, it helped. Listen, you, you know, if, if it's, and this is no knock to anybody out there, but, it, you know, if it's Streelman and Casey, and somebody else that's not a super duper star in the hunt on Saturday and Sunday, um, maybe it would have felt a little less than I think, but considering kind of the leaderboard we had and, and some of the players there, I think you're going to draw in a bigger audience simply if Jordan Spieth's in the conversation. So, uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I love watching Pebble beach. I mean, I, I think it's, it's quickly becoming, you know, one of, if not my favorite course, in the United States kind of outside of the Yemen hall world. And uh, I mean, every time I watch it or get a chance to go to it or, or see it on TV, you're reminded of how unbelievable, you know, that stretch from basically five on is, you know, it's just, uh, and, and I think the holes off the ocean are extremely underrated. I love number one. I mean, I think 14 is the most diabolical par five on the part on the PGA tour, maybe in the, in the country. I mean, it's, it's just got a lot of character to it. And to your point earlier, the history that goes along with it is so much fun. And so, I mean, I think, you know, I, I'm watching more golf than I've ever watched in my entire life because of of golf today, and and obviously just trying to kind of keep my finger on the pulse of of what's happening and things I want to show. And I got to give you a little bit of love, by the way. I was a little nervous of the show and you and like integrating you into golf today and not doing it too much or not doing it enough. And uh, it's been nice because you're making it real easy because you're hitting a whole bunch of awesome golf shots and playing well. And uh, that makes that makes the decision. I mean, you know, like we showed I showed your uh, I guess it was Saturday, your birdie on 14. Um, I showed that on the show because it was a perfect example of like how close the line is at Pebble, you know, because that ball. Uh, maybe it was on Friday. When when did you when did you hit it out of the rough yeah, up there? Friday, was yeah, it Friday? Like trickled out of the rough. Yeah, yeah but Friday. you know, like that that is that ball is, is it's a little bit of like your shot on the on on two on Sunday where it's four inches from where you're gonna have a hard time making par, but it comes back and now you've got a great birdie look. I think you fist pumped that birdie. Yeah. A couple of max fist pumps this week, I thought. I was in it, dude. I I was vibing. I like when you fist pump because then I know you're all locked and loaded and you're all excited about it, but. Um, it was, it's just been fun. Cause you're, you're, you're giving, you give me the golf content. I don't need, I don't need anything else. You know, you just, <laughs> you hit the golf shots and we're going to show it and it's going to make the show. But, uh, we ripped through this whole thing on Sunday show. And of course we had to show all your birdies on the par three. And, and I, I, after the show, I remember I was driving home and I went, and we gave Max four shots, and everybody else got one. It's about right. Hell yeah. I'll take it. Hey, Shane, speaking of content, I got a question for you. I was thinking yeah. about this. And this is from Jordan Sweet's biggest fan, me. Two weeks in a row, he's in the hunt, and it's been awesome for for the golf viewership. Um, everyone's super stoked. You know, it's been it's been cool. I wish you know, with with the fans at Waste Management, you could feel it. This week, you couldn't really feel it at all. You just saw the name. But <laughs> I know he he is the new like you know he doesn't move the needle. He is the needle guy. You know, right. kind of like how Tiger is. Um, for for good reason. But I'm very curious if you have a a better way to explain this than just everyone loves Jordan Spieth. So bombing gouge on the Twitter, like woke golf Twitter, as we say, is like the worst thing ever. All oh, these guys miss all these fairies, but they're always fine and they make whatever. That that's that's a pretty talked about topic 
for anyone on golf Twitter. Jordan Spieth doesn't hit fairways. I mean, like, it's just like he makes birdies and pars from a trash can, and it's awesome. Why does golf Twitter and golf fans in general seem to obsess over him and how he plays, yet when Brooks Kepka does it or Dustin Johnson does it or Bryson DeChambeau does it, it's just blah. It's off. They're bombing, gouging it. They're just hitting as hard as they can wherever they want, and they're never in trouble. I have never thought of that point. I think it's a very interesting one. I mean, obviously, I think the easy answer there is that Jordan loses the bomb part. I mean, he's not a very long guy. I mean, I know he's not short, but I mean, he's he's middle. At, is he a middle distance guy on tour? Would you say? Yeah, but to 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 kind of play devil's advocate here, the other point is that the ball goes too. Uh, people bring up right, right. Yeah, no, I, I know. Everybody, so he is a bomber. You well, know? yeah, but yeah. Yes, I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess, in in that in that realm, sure. But I, I think it's because I think people are attracted to him because a everybody loves the lost athlete that finds it again. That's always a great story. I mean, we we could go through sports and sports and sports and find people and examples that we root for because they fell off the face of the earth and then they came back and. You want to see him get to the, I mean, that was why Tiger story was so great, right? It was cool to see Tiger playing well. It was awesome to see him win the tour championship, but it was like, we only measure Tiger by majors. And the fact that he got to the masters and finally won one was kind of that moment. We all hoped we'd one day see with Tiger. I feel the same way with Jordan. I wonder if Jordan's 2019 masters is just any PJ Torvin. If he can finally win one, we feel it. I, I, I made this point on the show on Sunday to me you know, like, like a Steph Curry makes basketball look beautiful and easy, right? I mean, he pulls up from 20 feet behind the line. Um, he finishes and every finish looks beautiful. And I feel like when you compare a Steph to like a Derek Rose, when he was in his prime, to me, Spieth kind of reminds me of Rose where it's not beautiful. It's not sexy, but there's a lot of efficiency internally in it. And it almost takes diving into the stats to see that it, it's why I get so annoyed when anybody brings up stuff about speed back in the day, oh, he was only great because he made 30 footers. You're like, no, if you go look at his like 2014 and 2015 years, he was statistically one of the best at every single thing. You know, like he wasn't an unbelievable driver, but he was a good driver, but he was one of the best iron players in the world. One of the best chippers in the world. One of the best putters in the world. I mean, everything he did was unbelievable. And I, I, I kind of was making that point about Derek Rose would kind of bang with the giants and still was successful, right? He's kind of like, he was kind of like, a little Iverson in that world where we loved rooting for that because it was the one guy that did it a little bit differently. And for me, Spieth is the guy doesn't hit it super long and he hits it crooked and he still somehow can get the ball up there close to the hole. We know it is how good his short game is. We know how great he is at putting, but I just feel like Jordan Spieth is that outlier in that world of kind of the, the, the bombers, right? I mean, even, even taking away bomb and gouge. If you just look at the guys that have been dominant in golf over the course of history, Spieth is like the one guy that doesn't really match up with everybody else. Yeah. That's then that that's why he's my, like he's been my favorite golfer for that reason. But I was just always curious because you just see so much um, frustration with where the game is going. And then Jordan plays it <laughs> kind of like how people are annoyed by, you know, that it's not precision from off the tee. It is kind of just hit it and find it. And I think that's fine. I, but I'm just saying there's a humongous group of people that hate it, but his seems to be more fun because I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I, I kind of get the, that crowd because Jordan just makes things more fun. Um, he, he can make any putt again, like to just piggyback on what you said, I still get annoyed. I mean, Faldo said it a few times this week where, yeah, he's making putts again. And I 
gotten an argument or debate with somebody last year about Jordan, and they're like, oh, it's just because he's been putting bad. And I went and looked in the stats, and he was still he wasn't putting great inside of ten feet, but he's never been a phenomenal putter inside ten feet. And whatever time of the year I looked at it, he was leading the PJ tour and putts made outside 25 feet. So I'm like, he's still doing that. What people just didn't seem to, and still seem to not really understand is his iron play was the best in the world for two years in a row. And like, that's why he was the best player in the world. So I'm with you. Like I, 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 I think that he makes it fun and, and there's clearly something about him that makes missing fairways and making these incredible birdies or whatever so much more exciting than if I were to do it. And I don't know why it's just one of those intangible things, but it did make me think of like just the hypocrisy of how excited everyone gets when he is at the top yet, when Bryson or Brooks or one of the guys who met Dustin, who smashes it and will hit it in the rough. It's like, this is the most boring thing I've ever watched. It's just a driver and a wedge on the, from the rough. It's so easy. You're talking about a real small percentage of golf fans when you kind of were talking no, about I know, I know, the Twitter golf fans. Like, them out. I yeah. know, but you, you like, like that's the thing I, I, I've never, I mean, when you, when you really dive into these things, like people love watching Kepka and they love watching Bryson and they love watching Dustin, like golf fans love it. It's just, there is a very, 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 very small percentage that complain about it. And that is for whatever reason, kind of sometimes is the voice, right? And we focus on that. And it's a reminder, like my dad, like you said, you, you're like, my dad is obsessed with Jordan speed. Like my dad texts me every time he's in the hunt, which has been a lot lately, right? Speeth. I mean, he also, te- by the way, my dad also just texts me max. Anytime you're playing well, no, nothing <laughs> yeah, else. It sweet. just says max period. Um, which is actually kind of sick, by the way, it's kind of cool that you just get a max text <laughs> yeah. when you're doing good. But, um, <laughs> You know, like Jordan Spieth to, is, like you said, the needle. He's the, he's the guy that I don't think we've seen this much where you get the kid that is the phenom that lives up to the hype and then completely falls apart. And all of and then he makes the comeback and all of this is in his in his 20s. Like he's still in his 20s yeah. doing this. You know, we've seen, you know, you you get so many comparisons for Spieth, right? Duvall and Seve and and all of these players. And, and I mean, these people went through it. I mean, they were they were later in their career when it was kind of lost and it wasn't exactly where they wanted it to be. I mean, this kid, this guy's a kid still, you know, and, and, and the fact that he, he lost it for two, three years and now he's finding it again. I mean, that, that's like the perfect sports story. So you've kind of got the kid that was already a superstar now living up to that movie script that you hoped you'd see. It's just, to me, it's kind of the perfect storm. And I'll tell you this, dude, I, I guess I can predict it on the podcast or I can at least talk about it, but we talked about horses for courses. We mentioned Augusta national. I mean, I just keep looking at this as this is progressing pretty perfectly for Jordan speed to get to the masters and win by four or five, you know, I mean, I, I could definitely see that happening and everybody in sports losing their shit again. Yeah, maybe I just, it's just, it's, it's I think it just all goes to how the media portrays certain people, but like Berger and Cantley have very similar stories. Um, not quite obviously to the mountaintop, but Cantley. Uh, was as good as Spieth was when they were young. Like, I mean, Cantley was the longest uh, tenured world number one in amateur golf. Jordan obviously has won the majors or whatever, but Spieth was, or uh, Cantley was hurt for like th- literally three years. Right. His story is even crazier than Jordan's. I mean, maybe not crazier, but it's, it's, it's more, uh, it's more kind of mind boggling because of like, he couldn't play golf for like right. a year or two. Um, and I lived down by him. I mean, he would go through stretches where he'd come back for like a week and be like, I can't do this. And it's just, it just was shocking 
and you're looking at a kid who is as good as any any one of pick any prodigy type coming up he was also that good like no one you could never say that he was not as good as any of these kids who come up and you have a burger who when he came out he won twice quick and again i know they haven't won the majors but very very good really really young in their 20s and then go through this spell where you don't know who they are you don't see them for a while it's like well you know, why, why, where'd they go? And it's not, maybe, maybe it's because Jordan's been on, you know, he hasn't been hurt. He's just been like on TV, but like we have this battle of speed. Can't uh, burger this weekend. There's one person that is clearly more rooted for, uh, and Jordan. And again, it's the world number one. I understand that there's differences, but it is interesting that they all, they three, them three have very, very similar types of roller coaster in a way. Um, some with their games, some with injuries or one with, their game two with injuries but still like super similar types of stories yet you know i think all of us feel out here feel like the same for all of them uh and and obviously golf fans ride with speed the most which again i understand i'm just pointing out that like ev- not everybody but there's a few of these young guys who have these crazy ass stories and it, I, it must just be how it's portrayed more, more or less uh, when, when it comes to, to the whole, um, the reason why Jordan is, 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 you know, Jordan in the, in the golf fan world. But speaking of the golf Twitter, I did want to ask you this. There was a little rift uh, on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> I, I, saw I was going to ask Dolly, you about this. Uh, yeah. I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask. Hey, hey, real, hey, real, real, and, real, uh, real quick, real quick, Max. Just I just want to make this point. This is my only point I'll make on, on what you just said. Cause I, I just want to say this. I get what you're saying, and I, 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 I understand what you're saying about that. But, I mean, Spieth has won three majors, and in, in they're different majors. He won as a teenager. You know, he was the second youngest to ever win at Augusta National, the second youngest to ever win three or four majors. I mean, it is a different story, Jordan Spieth versus those two guys. I mean, that's all I'm saying is Daniel Berger and Patrick Cantlay can be unbelievable golfers, as is everybody that's on the PGA Tour. But, I mean, they're not – what they've done resume wise and grabbing the interest when, when people that don't love golf watch what he has done is very, 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 very different than what they've done done to this point in their career. Yeah, no, I mean, I understand. I, I just, I guess it's, it, to me, it's, we talk about this comeback story and it's like, Jordan's is so amazing. It's well, Patrick couldn't move for two years. Like, I, I, years. I see what you're so saying like, there. So, and I, I get, I get that he was better, but Patrick's barely had like Patrick's beginning his career. Right. Like in the last two years, like he hasn't, has Pat even played on a Ryder cup? I don't even know if he's played on a Ryder cup yet. Like he hasn't even gotten to like get off his off, off to the, the start. Now to, I guess a better comparison would be if Berger would have won a major early or two or whatever before he got hurt, you would see it, but it is, it is interesting where, and I don't blame them. I, I, if I was a golf, like just a golf fan, I would root for Jordan more than them too. Like, I think he's the most interesting, but it, it is wild to me how much he can move a needle. I think part of it is just who he is and how he plays golf and like how I mean, and I'm more so mean his mannerisms and his conversations and his interviews. Like I think all of that goes in a bit more to it than just like, than just, he was so good because I mean, neither of the, Jordan has lo- like lost golf game for a bit, not like to the extent that some people think, but like it, it, it was, you know, obviously completely different than world number one without getting hurt. And, um, you know, the other guys are just still really good. Right. So it's like, I don't know. I, I, I guess I was just kind of, it was more tongue in cheek. Like I, I understand why Jordan got all the buzz. He, he was, he's done things people like no one's really done or, or very few people have done with winning all these majors so fast. 
but it, it is always so interesting to me how people wig wig out when he is in the mix again when it's like to me like this the Cantley story is wild like I just think it's a, it's incre- it's like a feat I mean you could go with like a tiger type thing where it's like man we didn't know if this guy was going to play again right it's like you know Pat's now out here being like a killer again I don't think that it, it means that he needs to be as beloved as, as Jordan but it is always funny for me to see like a, a minor hypocrisy amongst golf fans like yeah well it's Jordan's come back from the depths like yeah he doesn't even know what Pat is like he couldn't even sniff what Pat was feeling. Like Pat didn't know if he'd ever touch a golf. Yeah, I, I think and it's here a good he is, point. Like, yep. Sending the world number one, but I mean, I'm again, it's tongue in cheek. Like I, I'm also a Jordan Spieth fan. So <laughs> right, you, you said he's your favorite player to watch play golf. Right, he's your favorite guy to when you get to see him play. Right. Yeah, by a mile. We're gonna take a quick break and be right back. All right, so so the so the sixth whole thing. Um, I so yeah. I didn't dive oh. in the weeds on it, but so they were were they why were they kind of at either. each other's necks? So apparently, uh, Solly tweeted, and this was more so based off of so Solly from No Laying Up tweeted from uh, uh, from watching the coverage. So I'm I'm gonna I'm piecing things together, but I guess Faldo and 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 somebody else, maybe Luke LV or something, were talking about how people on six on at pebble we're going left of the path up the hill to take the water out and the bunkers out of play and um they thought that it was kind of blasphemy and ridiculous uh not playing the hole as it was supposed to be played and, and solly brought up like well it's not like you should be able to play the field with which you're given i guess like be creative colt brought up that he i think colt said on broadcast maybe or maybe just on twitter that he thinks they should have put ob down the left to eliminate that so that you did have to kind of challenge the water and those bunkers and they got in some you know stupid argument as everyone does on twitter <laughs> and no one twitter was is. listening to each other and it was just yelling at at man yells at cloud so um but i was interested in your thoughts we don't have to dive into what they were arguing about but i was interested in your thoughts because i will say that I, i've never played the whole left i've thought about it but i never have because i just feel like if i had a good uh, so, so I guess I play the whole, I play the whole with the three wood to take the water and, and, uh, out of play for me. Cause if I wipe it, it's pretty hard for me to get to the water all the way on the right. Now I can still hit it in the bunkers. Bunkers are menacing because a lot of times you're in the face, you got to lay up, but I've thought about hitting it left. I just think that when I hit a good three wood or decent one, I have like a, uh, you know, fairly benign shot into the green, uh, from a good angle and a good light. Um, but what are your thoughts on like, add like if they were to, add ob let's say down the left or or if they didn't and people did play that hole down the left to take out like the trouble like do you find that annoying because that's you know one of the more famous holes in the world and you're not even really playing it per se um or do you find it uh, you know kind of is what it is like that is the hole if there's space down the left i don't think i get that frustrated because and i and i obviously wasn't a pebble this year but I've always, I mean, I've played it a few times and I, I'm a lefty who hits it left. And so that's a hole where I will uh, occasionally hit it left over there on accident. And it's always been brutal over there. I mean, it's very inconsistent, rough, and it's pretty nasty. I don't know if it was more, if it was easier to play out of this year than it's been in past years, but I always felt like it was kind of nasty. And, and I will say if, if you're pebble and that becomes the common thread, then you just make that gnarly rough, right? And then now it's a, it's more of a penalty if you hit it in it. But I don't have any. I have no problem with guys 
you know, kind of bailing or trying to kind of outthink the golf course. Uh, I would actually like to, now that you've brought this up, um, after we get off the podcast, I'd like to look kind of at shot link. Like what was the scoring like over there? Because if there I'm were ca- zero bogeys, on there, the were, left. there were no bogeys left now. So I would argue that there were probably not a ton of birdies, but okay, I don't no know. Eagles, one, I'd but bet I bet too, DJ right? I said there were no, I don't know about that. DJ said there was no bogeys from left of the path this week. So, so my thinking would be if you added, if you, my problem with adding something to, to, you know, golf for you guys these days probably i don't know if if outthink is the word but i think you guys out strategize probably players of the past just because you guys have so much damn information at your disposal you know you can look at everything and you want to look at over past years and how to play stuff um I, I don't like the idea of kind of adding something because players figured out a way you know i, I don't think that's the right right thing i mean it takes me back to inverness right you plant the tree on 17 with a hinkle tree or whatever uh, because guys were were playing it down another hole. And to me, it's like, sorry, guys, like these players thought of that, you know, and I think if you think of it, if you think of a way to do it, I mean, I go back to Bryson, right? Sorry, Mr. Ross. I mean, it's like, I'm going to take it over these bunkers that you, that you put down a hundred years ago, because back then they were defensive to a, to a golf course. And now they're not, I don't see any issue with the player just kind of using their, maybe using their brains, their wits, or even numbers to kind of outthink a golf hole. I, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I, last, two years ago, uh, the Wells Fargo at Quail Hollow on 15, Keith Mitchell, I guess, hit a tee shot down 16 fairway. So went over the water. Anyone who's been there, there's a huge pond. And typically you out to the right, and then you hit maybe like a hybrid on the green or something. And um, Keith went left, and he told me after, I'm sure he told must have told a bunch of guys, but like he had six or seven iron in. Now, the sketchy drive to a point, because if you fan it, it is dead in the water and you're reteeing. But when he hit it, he had such a short club, and it was a humongous advantage. Well, the next day we have a notice that, you know, 16 will be out of bounds from 15. And I didn't mind it. Uh, but the reason I bring that up is because DJ Pai said something interesting on the podcast that I listened to today. Um, he said that, um, you know, there was only six or seven guys hit it left of that path on six at Pebble. So it's not really changing uh, much of, like, the course of the tournament. Um, and I've seen now they, all, you know, they, they're not the first people that have done it. I've been on that golf hole with fans on the left and people have hit it left on purpose. So like, right. that's not new. I've seen that for four or five years. Uh, I just don't think it happens a lot because I, to your point, I don't think it's in a very big advantage to make a birdie. I think it's a big advantage to make a par, a stress-free par. Uh, but my, my, my point with the, these two, uh, the, these two comparisons is how many people four years ago had a 47 inch driver or were trying one? And I would, I don't think anyone did. So the point is, is that it just takes a few like Keith to say, Hey, you should go left. And now right. all of a sudden the entire field is playing 15 at quail up the left and he said, do I think that's wrong? No, but that's not the whole now design it better. I guess is one like put trees over there, like where, where they had them, you know, cause they have them on the right uh, or on the left on 16, but they could have added further down so that we could, you know, maybe our being creative would actually, you know, be to our detriment and we wouldn't have, quite uh, as good an angle or whatever it might be as good a look and on six like i'm with you like i they should have fescue or a hay down the left side right that thing seems pretty obvious i don't know if they can't grow it there or something but they should have hay down the left but i'm i guess i'm just trying to point out two uh two viewpoints here is like i i don't i I, the whole should and i say should as, as a you know a relative term but it should be played down the fairway take on the water 
take on the bunkers. Like you should have to hit a shot and not be able to be bailed out way left. I don't think it changes much of the golf tournament by uh, it doesn't bring in, it doesn't bring in Eagle make, it doesn't make that any easier. If anything, it makes it harder, but it does maybe eliminate a bogey here and there. So maybe it saves you like 0.1 to two shots going left. Um, but it is interesting because I do think the more people that go there, if you do start to see the numbers go down, down, down as an average, now everyone's going to go left. And now that right fairway is essentially obsolete. So I guess, you know, it's just interesting when you get, you know, you can look at a small sample size now and be like, Oh, well only this many people did it. Well, I promise you if it, if people see that it's working, everyone's going to do that. That that's my, that's what I think. I think what you, the last point is, is, is the one really that you can hammer home is, if the whole field's not doing it, or if like 70% of the field's not doing it, then, you know, yeah. so here's an interesting, I was thinking, as you were kind of saying your point, I was thinking about kind of intent, right? And I mean, this is intent is a big word around golf right now, because we talk about with rulings and everything. But like left is safe. You know, you and I've talked about that, that amateur qualifier where I kept saying, you know, I'm going to miss it right because out of bounds was left. And, you know, if every player in the field's hitting it right, to avoid the out of bounds, that is, you could, you could make the argument that that's kind of just golf. Like we miss it wide safely all the time, you know? So the difference there is the intent is to go left, but there's also going to be players that bail out left because they're scared to hit it right. You know? So I just feel like it's an area of the golf course that gets play normally in a normal AT&T Pebble beach program. You're going to see pros hit it left. There's just a few guys that feel like that's the safer way to play the hole. And it might take, it either could take half a stroke off their week or add half a stroke, depending on which, which way you look at it. Cause like you said, it kind of takes Eagle out of play, but there's also going to be guys that hit it over there on accident. You know? So if you really start to dive into these numbers, how do you know which player hit it left on purpose versus which player hit it left on accident? You know, that's the hard thing to really kind of try to dissect numbers and to see if it's something that could become a problem or not. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. I think, I do think that if you're a righty and you hit it left, I think it, it had to be on purpose. Cause that's, it's just such a, you would have to be hitting driver. I would assume like and also just really hook it the left. You could see it cause it's just come out of it. trying not to hit it in the water. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's like, I always find, you know, golf architectures so different when you play links golf, it's like, Oh, you know, hit it anywhere you want, create an angle. And then, American golf is so much more like they tell you where to hit it. And right. I, I like, I like both of them. I like a variety. Um, so when I get on a hole, like a six or whatever at Pebble, just using that as an example, it's like, Oh, well, you're supposed to hit it, not supposed to, but hit it here. And it's like, well, I want to hit it over here. And it's like, well, is that wrong? It feels dirty, <laughs> but it's not because it's, you know, it's just one big, we're playing in one big field. They just right. tell you where to finish. <laughs> but I feel like links golf kind of says, paint your own picture, write your own story. And in American golf, it is a lot more like play it here, then here, then here. Uh, and, and you'll make a, you know, three, four or five. And, uh, I felt like people were, I guess, you know, people saw something that was dirty and they didn't like it on one of like the pure, pure golf courses and, and, you know, the world. So it's just an interesting, uh, always an interesting uh, topic when you think about, just how do you make it like it's like 17 is talking how do we make this whole hard just put in a ton of water it's like okay it's like it's honda like i don't think the honda golf course is great golf course but it sure is awesome for pj tour because it's freaking hard it's really hard so it's like, yep. let's make it hard but here's a contrived way to make it hard now i wouldn't say that that's a fun place to play or where I, your buddies should like you know 
that, that wouldn't be like their most enjoyable, but it is cool. And it, it it's just hard. It's like 18 hit players. It's like, if that, if that was rough down the left, that hole would be not too bad. And all of a sudden it's like one of the hardest holes I've ever played in my life. And I don't mind that, but I also, you know, don't mind pure links golf where you can kind of hit it anywhere and, and, and figure it out. So, um, you know, when I see a whole like six get played up the left, I don't see it being any easier, but I do see, you know, if I had a 50 shot lead, I'd probably go left because, <laughs> you know, you would take a bogey out of play, but also if I had a 50 shot lead, I would probably have missed a shot yet. So you, you have a 50 shot lead. They, they'd be, you'd be having every media company in the world following you around. Be like, what is this guy doing this week? Um, uh, I, I want to get to some, I want to get to some flights, uh, but we've got to obviously give um, everybody what they come for the podcast for uh, Aon risk reward challenge check-in. You moved up a couple spots last week. Um, you're in 37th place. We're starting place. to get notices about it. I They're know really you, you got tagged. You got tagged from the shot on 18 A on risk reward. Yeah. Um, Joaquin Neiman leads. So uh, if you see him in the locker room, shove him or something. Um, 37th place is where you're at. So we're not where we were last year, but you know what? We got we got we got room to improve, buddy. We can do it. Yeah, I just got to eagle 10 a couple times this week to get back in it. Eagle it all four times. Maybe you'll have that 50-shot lead. Um, I've got a couple of good ideas if you're if you're ready for those. <laughs> I, I like your dumb ideas, but yeah, go ahead. I know, I know. Good so, so I have a legit good idea, and I've, I think I've only had one of these in our entire history doing this podcast. Um, rangefinders were a hot talk the last couple of weeks. Um, if you have a rangefinder, you will – most likely inevitably lose it, or you'll at least leave it on a tee and have to go find it. That's part of having a range finder. Um, if you get a label maker, put your phone number, type it out on a label maker, borrow a label maker, whoever has one, idea. and then tape your phone number on the range finder. I do it to mine. And hopefully you don't have some shitty person find it. And if a good person finds it, they'll call you and get it back to you. So that's my good idea uh, for the week for it's people. With range finders. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Very you. practical. Shane, um, what do you think? Do, do you like the range finder of the PGA championship? Yes or no? Or do you care? I, I, I honestly don't really care. It's, it's, I mean, cool. we'll, I think same. it's going to be the same. I think it'll be the exact same. I, yeah. I think it will. I think it will help. I think it'll help pros when they're, as everybody said, it'll help you guys. If you hit a huge foul ball and outside of that, it's going to be pretty similar. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think, yeah, I just don't care. <laughs> so I, I've become I think, all these things. You know, I like firmly and don't care. Out. I just don't think that it, it's just none of it matters. You get used to it or whatever. Like it just doesn't, none of these things come into play nearly as much as people think. It just doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, like, like when you got, okay, now let me ask you this. You guys get a number when you're, do you guys ever do the thing where Joe gets you a number and then you shoot it? Oh, with a laser? Like, like when you're playing a practice round, like, do you ever do like, Oh, practice? Um, well, yeah, only to check the head. So, okay. Okay. Like I'm just wondering sure how close you guys right. are when you do that. Cause I mean, I'm assuming pretty close. Oh, it's like the same. Yeah, okay. The same. So that's why I'm, that's the point. Really good. That's the point. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. Another good idea. Uh, this is from a listener, though. Uh, you uh, you posted a, a, a DM you had from a big fan um, of yours on Whoa, Twitter that was that was really funny. Um, and then you birdied all four par threes. Uh, listener at six one four golfer had a great idea. If you birdie all the par threes in a round, we should call it the platypus. I'm in on that. Yeah, the hairless platypus. Are I you in on that. this? I'm so in. I want to make a, real, a point real quick. 
Um, Go ahead. <laughs> if I if, if 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 somebody posts like a meme, some meme somebody said, and like if it's extensive, whatever. Like maybe you could call them out, but if somebody posts something and makes fun of it, like don't respond with "Why do you give these people?" I know it's the whatever. worst. It's like I'm having my own fun with something I had to see. Like I, I have no, I'm not giving this person. I didn't post his name. I didn't post anything. He got nothing out of that. I just thought it was hilarious that someone called me hairless and like the meanest thing you could write. Like call me all the names in the book. So don't like you don't need to come at me. Like I didn't do anything. I'm allowed to have a a uh some fun with something i saw like i i i it was fun i thought people would like it so it's like i don't know i i don't i never understand how 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 so many people tell you how to respond to things like it didn't have any effect on me it truly made me laugh i read it like three times so i was like this is absurd this guy clearly does not know me at all because if you wanted to be actually mean, you would, you know, call out my actual, my, I have a big nose. I'm incredibly hairy. Um, you know, like call it real thing. But like in this one, it was like, Hey, you pretty much just told me you don't, you don't, you didn't do any research, like do a little research. So whatever, but yeah, I'm down for birdie, all birdie, all the part threes. It's a hairless platypus. Uh, and send me a picture of it uh, when you do it. I so I had a, a I mean, and, and mind you, I have a, a way smaller following than you for a good reason. I'm, I'm not a professional golfer, um, even though obviously I'm very famous on TV. And uh, I had some dude chirp about Spieth, as people tend to do, and I just reposted it with Spieth's kind of the things he's accomplished, which and I was like a short list, and they're pretty incredible. And I got a few of those. Why would you give why would you give this guy the platform? And it's like, because I get this shit a lot and you get this shit a whole bunch. And so if we don't post this stuff occasionally, we're just going to delete it, the apps and never be on them again. So occasionally yeah. we want to have the fun because we have to hear it and read like, it. Like let people react how they want to react. And if you don't like it, then don't respond to it. Like, it's just, it's very, it's a pretty simple. Yeah. Do you have any, do you have a flight by the way? Do you have a good idea? Dumb idea? Yeah, I have, um, well, I have a few. Um, so I have the best shot. I saw somebody hit this week. Uh, Will Gordon, who's a young up and comer. He absolutely smashes the ball Put them on Sunday. And they had the up T on 10 at Pebble, which is really cool. It's like right next to nine green. Right. Um, and it was a little downwind and it was like, but it's still cold. And, I think it was 320 to the front of the green, 300 over the hazard, something like that. And he hit driver and he hit this high knuckle, just bomb right at the left side of the green, like too far right, definitely for like a, I mean, granted, it was a perfect line, but like for most anybody, it's too far right. So we're kind of yelling at it to go and cover like the last corner of the ocean. And it flew onto the front of the green and went <laughs> over the green. It was. It was tremendous. I mean, some these some of these people are just so they're just like superhuman. It's incredible. So that was the best shot I saw somebody hit for sure. Um, I uh, I have a new segment I'm going to introduce this week. It's called "I'm Not Very Smart," um, and I'm going to present you with this. I pulled up PJ Tour Live on I think Saturday. I was going to jump on the Peloton and watch you, and and then had the golf on the main TV, and I was following along on my app, and I think you'd made a couple of birdies in a row. And you got to a certain number and I turned it on and you were on seven and you were three under. And I was like, what, what happened on six? And I start doing the math. I'm looking at my app and I'm doing the math and I'm like, Max made eight or nine on six. Like, this is, what did he do? Like, 
he must hit it in the ocean. Um, maybe he lost his ball left or something. Uh, I had the wrong days PJ Tour live going on my iPad. So just a reminder <laughs> that I'm not very smart. Had had a complete <laughs> other day going. I was I, I mean probably five minutes of me completely befuddled of what had happened to you on the sixth hole. We can't add that flight because I would have too many to, to <laughs> simplify to one thing of why I'm not smart. Uh, I have a feel good. I have two feel good Fridays. One, um, the Genesis and the Tiger Foundation for this week are doing a big teacher appreciation, and they had asked me like a month or so ago if I had the teacher tour asked me if I had a teacher that like came to mind, and I told them one. Her name's Linda Gus, and she's awesome. She was like my in my fourth and sixth grade teacher, if I remember right. Um, but my mom's still somewhat close to there, talks to her. And um, so I brought her up and they end up getting her contact information. And uh, today I got to FaceTime her on camera and talk to her and catch up. And it was really cool. Nice. Um, I think, you know, anyone who's got kids out there that are in school right now realize just how important teachers are. Um, and it's always, it's always great when an adult as a, you know, when you're a kid has an impact, a positive impact on you. Cause, you never know when you could have a negative impact. And she was somebody who I thought just crushed it as a teacher. And it was cool that I got to talk to her today. So that was one. And the other one was golf TV, uh, asked to do like a feature this week at Chica, which is my home. Nice. Golf course, literally the one I grew up on. If you ever watched strapped the no laying up, that's where we play the nine hole part three course. They asked me and Joe to come out. Steve, you have baby ended up coming out to play, but we play, we got to talk about Joe's course record 19, which is eight under. Um, we, me and Steven played Joe's back's been hurting him. So he didn't play. He might've been scared. I would, uh, I would have beat him in front of people who know he has the course record. Who knows? I'll just conjecture. Um, but it was really fun. Um, you know, I like highlighting, obviously this one's special to me, but I like highlighting municipal public golf courses, um, that, you know, Chica gets a lot of play. It's not the most beautiful place I've ever been, but it is a good place for a kid to learn how to not only play golf, but fall in love with golf. So I thought that was cool. They asked to do that. I think it kind of video comes out Friday, so I'll post it. Hopefully, nice. Yeah, we'll enjoy it. We'll post it on uh, our yeah, account it was, too. It was yeah. Awesome. That's a uh, good, yeah, it's, it's, one, it's one of those places like where golf happens, you know, it's like golf's happening there every day. You know, it's, it's cool when those places, I mean, the range exist. was slammed. <laughs> did, did anybody recognize you? Like anybody know it was like you were Max Homa. I got a few. Oh, that was the other one. I met a little, a young kid named Max and he said he watched me pebble. So that was tight. Nice. Nice. Um, on the back end of your teacher thing, just a shout out to my sister, who's a teacher and one of the best people on yeah. planet earth. So, um, shout out to her who does great stuff. Um, worse. I have a worst thing I saw this week. Um, I thought you'd appreciate I this, too, but it was Molinari. So. Oh yeah, yeah. It makes sense. <laughs> um, I was driving, uh, I was driving home last night. Um, there was a Prius in front of me. And then the driver threw a cigarette butt out on the, on the ground. I thought that Whoa, was kind of ironic. I just, oxymoron. yeah, felt, felt, felt a little irony there we really not, not making the planet better. Um, so I thought that was weird. Um, and I have a feel good Friday. Uh, first things first for feel good Friday, um, to everybody in Texas and all these States, uh, that are just absolutely getting slammed and, and, and have <laughs> little to no prep for, for these winter storms. I just wanted to say, um, that we're thinking about you guys. I mean, I know a lot of these places, people don't have electricity and heat and it's like, you know, single digits and all that stuff. So, um, you know, if you're listening to this and it's been a brutal few days, we're thinking about you guys and, uh, hopefully it warms up soon. Um, listener, Tim crane, uh, sent a message about his personal situation in life, uh, raising two girls alone. Now, uh, said he's been listening to the podcast the last year and it's helped him navigate 
a world uh, uh, that was very different, something he was obviously not expecting um, with the loss of a partner. So just wanted to say to Tim, uh, thanks for listening. Appreciate you guys sending the message. Appreciate you sending the message our way. Uh, we're both rooting for you. Um, continued strength and, uh, and all the stake walks uh, ahead. And, uh, and, you know, I, I know every, you know, life hits people and, and all of a sudden, you know, everything in your life is flipped upside down. So uh, for us to be any amount of help in this world, which sounds crazy, but um, we uh, it's, it's humbling and we appreciate it and we appreciate the message. And, uh, and yeah, we're just, uh, we're, we'll continue to pump these out uh, as much, as many as we can. So just uh, like I said to, to Tim, you are my feel good Friday for the week. Well, Tim, um, you know, best of luck and all that. I'm sorry to hear the news, but if you'd like to laugh, I will save my best flight for last. Nice. And it's also two weeks overdue. Cause I heard this one in Scottsdale, <laughs> uh, right after the tournament, uh, I was walking to dinner and heard these older guys. One guy was kind of holding court trying to, I think he was the guy who knew the most about golf and had been everywhere to play golf then you will get a chuckle on this. So uh, they're eating dinner and they must've been talking about, you know, local golf courses. They must maybe they were at CPC Scottsdale and the guy's trying to do his like, you know, mansplaining uh, great golf courses to his buddy. And the line I heard clear as day that made me almost fall over was he said, no, no, no. He's like, St. Andrew shits all over Whisper Rock. And I was like, wow, like the fact that that was even, I mean, I'm a member of Whisper the fact that that was up for debate, I mean, this is the, this is like maybe the most popular golf course in the world. Definitely like is. There's no maybe. It, it is the most popular golf course on the planet. To uh, just like a random golf course in Arizona. <laughs> like, I just, it's just shocking. The shocking thing to hear. No, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you'd like the old course. You really like it. It's like, no, nah, I got it. I got you, it. That's is, it's not, it's better than, you know, our local golf course. <laughs> That's very, I, I, I really appreciate you saving that for last. Um, uh, Riv this week, uh, I know we're going long, but, uh, I know you're excited about it. Uh, I've received, uh, multiple texts of people very excited for this week for you. So, um, uh, I hope you, I hope you keep at it, bro. I know you will. Um, uh, you've seen the course excited about it looks good. Everything kind of what you'd expect it to be. It's in really good shape. The rough is down, um, but the, uh, the greens are really actually firm and they're pretty quick. Uh, so I, um, it's, it's going to be quite windy. So I think they'll only get firmer, um, but the weather's good. So it should actually be quite difficult. Um, but yeah, it looks like, you know, kind of normal rev. It's uh you get, you get, uh, well, you've won the rough slow here. You get the Kakuya is still kind of, uh, tricky. So it's never, it's never that big of a deal to have thick rough, uh, at Riviera. So, um, it'll, it'll be nice. It's in really, really good shape, which is, um, which is exciting. Uh, the field's really good. Um, so if, you know, feels like a big event. I, I it's a bummer tiger can't be here, but it, it's always cool playing a tournament that he is the host at. Um, and yeah, so it should be, it should be awesome. I mean, we finally get in a, a week of good weather, uh, you know, a riv, I guess last week got pretty good too, but it, it'll be, uh, it'll be fun. I think the scores will be, um, kind of where they normally are. Um, but we'll see if they keep making the greens firmer. it'll be a, it'll be a really good test of golf. Um, and I think everybody knows Riviera tends to, uh, bring out, you know, really great winners. So it's an exciting week. Uh, last one of the West coast swing. Um, I'm exhausted, so I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm excited to go home next week. Um, but it's always, you know, the reason we do five is because the last one is my favorite one. So it's always easy to keep some energy up 
But, um, you know, it was nice to get over there today. I'll go practice again tomorrow uh, and um, just, kept, you know, kind of prepared on the greens for um, slightly different surfaces. It is amazing that these are the same exact green uh, or grass types as Pebble and Spyglass's greens and how much smoother these seem to be every year than <laughs> when it's right on the water and you get the bumpy poena. So it's, everyone's very happy to be on a little bit smoother surfaces. I uh, I hope you pull off another hairless platypus, bro. I think you can do it. I mean, just hit them close. That again. would be brutal here. No, I don't even know if that's realistic. <laughs> you got to go four is two, it says two, 35, six, is 195 today 14 is like 185 to 190 and then 16 is like 160 that would be incredible if you got the 16 t and you hey by the way did you know did you know on 17 you'd done that or no <laughs> i walked out the green and said oh joe i said we just birdie three the four Wait, but did you know did you know and before I, oh you, you said you walked for, off i got no, you no then i yeah then i sat there for a second i was like wait a minute we just birdied all of them <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't remember which one I did. I was with her. I was like, wait, which one did I par? And I was like, oh, my God, I birdied all four of them. So you didn't know. <laughs> that was wild. Oh, well, I didn't no, actually. A, I didn't make a three. I didn't make a three all day on Saturday. And then on Sunday, I made that eagle on a two. And I told Joey we just made our first three in, like, over 18 holes. <laughs> uh, Hard it was, to do. It was, a, it was a good week, bro. I'm pumped for you this week. Um Go out there and do your thing at Riff. I, I know you will, and uh, and then you'll get a little downtime. Um, we have uh, we'll have some stuff coming up as well uh, with the pod and with some other things. We've got some stuff in the works. So uh, thank you for listening. Thanks for being patient with us after we uh, we missed last week. I, you know, I got this job now. You, you know, you're out there with your job, and occasionally it's hard to find a couple hours for us to do this. And so we'll, we'll try not to miss too many more weeks. But you know, sometimes that just happens. That's part of part of this. So. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, and Max, have a great week. Thanks, Shane. Uh, sorry for the delay. Glad we were back. Don't forget, wash your hands. Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.